0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at nlc nlcdowntownlittlerock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. All right, good morning. How y'all doing? Oh, great. Uh, I'm back with you. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a little while. In the first service, somebody leaned up towards me and they said, do you still know how to preach? Uh, it's been a while since we've heard from you. Uh, and so hopefully we'll find out, you know, we'll find out if I still know how to do it. If I haven't met you yet, by the way, my name's Bronson. Uh, I'm one of the leaders, one of the pastors here, and we're just excited that you're here. Uh, you know, we know everybody comes from different places, different backgrounds. Uh, everybody has a battle. Everybody has a story. And we, we just want you to know that you belong here, that we're excited that you're here, and we believe God has something good for you. Amen. Uh, This summer, uh, I've had a bunch of my friends who've been preaching here at the campus. Have you all enjoyed that, our summer speaking rotation? Come on, if you've enjoyed those guys, let's give them a hand. Uh, Pastor Chris, Colonel T.C., Tommy Covington, uh, Dwayne Clayton brought the word a couple of times, Uh, Austin McCaskill. I I got a couple of quotes for you, some of my favorite quotes from this, this summer. Austin said this, he said, when you have a command you don't need a call, okay? What does that mean? That means when God's commanded something, we don't have to wait around and say, man, has God called me to do this? No, he's commanded us, amen? And then Blake, Blake Polson said this. He said, uh, he asked the question, he said, what are you willing to give up in order to grow? Who knows that as we go through life, in order to grow into the person God's called us to be, God's created us to be, sometimes we have to let go of some areas, Amen. And so this morning, uh, I'm starting kind of a new series. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about spiritual power. Uh, we're going to be talking about spiritual authority. How do we, how do we have the power that, that God's called us to have as believers? I wonder if you guys have ever felt that tension, the, the, the tension between what you read about in the scriptures and what you've experienced in your personal life. You know, we read all these things, all these victories in the Scripture, but sometimes we don't see those things. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks, maybe two weeks, maybe five weeks, I haven't decided yet, uh, talking about how we walk through that. And so this morning, I want to talk about the power of hearing. Everybody say hearing. The power of hearing. Uh, In order to have spiritual authority, first we have to receive it, and then we have to let it grow. We have to receive it, then we have to let it grow. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Everybody say divine power. To destroy strongholds. Okay, we're going to get into a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to teach a little bit more than normal. But man, I hope it blesses you. I hope it helps you. Uh, Go with me to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'm in verse 1. I'm in the New Living Translation. If you've got a paper Bible, let me see it. Wave it at me. Okay, we got a couple of those. We got the old school, okay? Uh, It's also on the screens behind us. Uh, Matthew 13, and I'm going to read about 20 verses here. So you guys stick with me, and and we're going to jump in. This is one of the few times where Jesus gives a parable, but then gives a direct explanation of what he means by it. And so there's a lot of power in this. So Matthew 13, verse 1. It says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him so he got into a boat then there he sat and taught the people and stood on the shore he told many stories in the form of parables such as the one that we're about to hear so here's what's happened here's kind of the context for this passage is Uh, Jesus has talked to the people who were following him, and his family had come in, and he'd made a distinction between his family, who was family by blood, and the people that he considered his true family. Jesus said, my true family are the ones who help me accomplish God's purpose. Okay, so after he's done this, he's gone, he's sat by the seashore, and as usually happens with Jesus, a crowd of people come together to hear from him, and this is one of the parables he taught. He said, listen, A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered them across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. These seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still others fell on fertile soil. Everybody say fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jump with me to verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of this parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that was on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it. But since they don't have deep roots, everybody say deep roots. Since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear, everybody say hear, and understand, say understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. This is the word of the Lord. Let's jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful, it's effective, it's relevant for our lives. So God, we pray that this morning that you'd speak to us, God, that you'd grow us. And God, you'd help us become more and more who you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the power of an idea. The power of an idea. Have you ever thought something or considered something or had something suggested to you that you just couldn't shake? Right? Uh, This happens often when we go on road trips. So Callie and I were up in Columbus, Ohio uh, about six weeks ago uh, for 4th of July. I'd gone up to see some family. And uh, who's heard of Skyline Chili in here? Okay, got some people testifying. Yes, Skyline Chili is the Lord's chili. All right, this is God's God's favor has shown in the Midwest. Gave us this beautiful creation called a three-way cheese cone. And uh, as as I'm leaving, it's it's the hot dog, it's the chili, and it's you got to get the extreme way, right? You got to get the habanero cheese on top. And so we're, we're leaving Columbus. And uh, we stopped to get Chick-fil-A, the Lord's Chicken, incidentally, and uh, stopped, get some for Georgia. We're driving and ate a full meal. And it hadn't been 10 minutes, I saw the street sign that said Skyline Chili. And Callie goes, you know, it's weird. We didn't get any Skyline Chili while we were here. And, y'all, my wife is pregnant with twins, and I took advantage of this situation. Y'all, if there was ever going to be a time Callie was down for two dinners, it's right now. Okay? And so we pulled back off in Cincinnati. We got some cheese conies, and we smashed those things. Okay? Uh, the power of suggestion, the power of an idea. All I had to do was see the sign, and I could not resist it like a moth to a bug zapper. right? Uh, <laughs> because skyline chili will kill you if you eat it all the time. Uh, See, it all connects. Uh, (laughs) Last last night, I had a dream. I woke up, and I was like, I have to tell the church about this dream. This dream was awesome. Where are my vivid dreamers in the house? Uh, Okay, there's there's about half of us. I have the most realistic dreams ever. Like, uh, I had an argument with my boss uh, last week about insurance plans uh, for the entire night, and I woke up mad at him. Okay, these are the types of dreams I normally have. But last night, Last night, I had a dream that was a mix between Star Wars and the Terminator, okay? It was amazing. And so there was this female Terminator who was trying to take over the world, and literally Luke Skywalker was in my dream, and him and I are working together trying to take down this Terminator. And uh, I, I woke up before we had any resolution, but I'm telling you what, I had fun, okay? yo, know, a lot of times, if, if we're honest, the way that we look at God, the way that we, we look at... Uh, the kingdom of God, is like it's this force that's trying to dominate everything around it. But the way that Jesus is describing it isn't like a wrecking ball, but it's like a seed. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a seed that seems so insignificant, but if it's planted in the right place, it can grow into something that's thriving, that's healthy, and that changes everything that it touches The kingdom of God is not a wrecking ball, but a seed full of potential for power, life, and growth, transforming whatever it's planted in. The kingdom of God gives unlimited potential for growth and for life. Psalm 92, 13 says, they are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish. Everybody say flourish. They flourish in the courts of our God. Y'all, God plants us in his house in the people of God, his church, so that he can plant his kingdom in us, in our hearts. You know, as we're planted in the kingdom of God, the king, uh, in the church of God, the kingdom of God can flourish and thrive within our hearts and within our lives, and it can transform everything about us. You know, the truth is that Jesus didn't just come for the forgiveness of sins, although he did that. He came in to usher in the kingdom of God. Look at this quote from Tim Keller, it's one of my favorite uh, preachers and writers. He said, Forgiveness of sins is just the beginning, it's just the foundation, it's just the start. The kingdom of God is nothing less than the power of God in heaven entering the world to heal every alienation. Listen to this every brokenness in every dimension of human life. This is what the kingdom of God does, whether social, emotional, racial, economical, physical, psychological, or spiritual. When the kingdom comes in, the power of God comes in, look at this, so that you can assault brokenness in every area of human life. I love that. The kingdom of God comes in to assault brokenness. If there's anything it's aggressive towards, It's broken places in our lives. This is what Jesus came to do. This kingdom breaks into every dimension of life and offers answers to the deepest questions we ask as human beings. Every human being who has ever walked the planet has asked a number of questions. How do I find love? How do I find peace and satisfaction for my soul? How do I grapple with the difference between who I am and who I want to be? Jesus is the only one who came and offered the answers and the solutions to all of these questions. He did it through his perfect life. He did it through his sacrificial death and he did it through his victory over the ultimate enemy of humanity. That's sin and death. He did that when he rose from the grave and now he gives us a promise that we get to go when we get to build his kingdom and that when we die, we, we become heirs with him, and we get to rule and reign on the earth. Y'all, this is the hope of Jesus. This is the Christian message. This is the hope of the gospel. And unfortunately, so often, it's just boiled down to forgiveness of sins. But we don't talk enough about the deliverance of sins. Amen? G- Jesus did not just save you from your destination. He saved you from your experience of how we get there. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about what this looks like. So how does the kingdom of God come into your life? What does Jesus say? It comes through hearing. Isn't that interesting? It comes through hearing. And he says, therefore, be careful how you hear. Earthly kingdoms come by violence and force, but they pass away quickly. The heavenly kingdom comes through listening and hearing, and growth. Earthly kingdoms are great at having hearings, but heavenly kingdoms come through listening. Your ability to sit and listen and to take in what somebody's saying, your ability to listen and hear is the way to the kingdom of God. Here's what I take from this. There is power to being present. There's power to being present Where you're at. Power to listen closely, power to hearing accurately, power to engaging wholeheartedly with your family, with your friends, and certainly with God. Faith comes from hearing. Matthew 13:9. Anyone who anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Y'all, those who are present, they do a few things. They listen, they hear they engage, and they grow. Uh, there's a quote from Jim Elliott. Maybe you've heard his story. Jim Elliott was a missionary uh, about 50, 60 years ago, and uh, he, he went into uh, a tribe. I may have the timeline off on that, but the story is correct for those Googlers out there, uh, Jim Elliott went to reach an unreached people group, and he was murdered by the people that he went to reach. And what the amazing part of Jim Elliott's story is that his family forgave those people, didn't just forgive those people, but they went themselves to preach the gospel to the people who killed their father. And that tribe was so moved by that act of love that they accepted the love of Jesus. And this became a Christian tribe, a Christian group of people in this jungle and the kingdom of heaven moved forward. Here's what Jim Elliott said. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Y'all, some people are physically present, but their hearts are not there. Some people are so planted that even when they're absent, they're still present. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Colossians 2.5. He said, for though I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in spirit. And I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Jesus is teaching us to listen closely, to hear accurately, and then to put what we hear into action. Okay, so the, so the parable. What is the seed? The seed is the kingdom of God. It's God's plan for you. A seed holds the power and potential to be so much more than it seems, right? It's the same with the Word of God. But what is the soil? four distinct soils, four distinct soils, not three, four distinct soils. The soil's our heart. It's the place that the seed takes root. Jesus outlines the four conditions we're going to look at this AM. The four conditions. Four distinct conditions. The hard heart. This is unplowed land. This is a footpath. The shallow heart. You know, Galilee had rocky ground where they would have soil that right beneath it there was Rock. And so these people, this this is an agrarian culture, right? These are people who are farmers who are working with their hands. They're very familiar with this type of soil. There's the crowded ground. Listen, the danger of the crowded heart is not danger from inadequate resource, but from competition. Everybody say competition. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. And then it talks about fertile ground or the fertile heart. So condition number one, the hard heart. Matthew thirteen, four says, as he scattered That's the seed across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. You know, the the footpath—it's been walked on, right? It's been through some things. It's become hardened. This heart is not open. It's 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 closed off. It's hard. There's no place for the seed to begin to take root, and it's It's consumed by the birds before that it can do anything. Uh, this heart can be affected by wounds. It can be affected by past hurts. It can be affected by uh, just approaching the gospel intellectually. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. It can be affected by church hurt, right? Hurt from religious people. Because of your experience with religious people, you decide to close your mind, to close your heart to the things of God. It's a hard heart. And and here's what I know, y'all. This is a popular topic of discussion right now is the discussion of church hurt, right? People not getting their expectations met when they go into church. And I, I read a quote this past week, or not this past week, this past summer, uh, that, that perfectly sums up my experience with church. Can I read it to you? Yes. Thank you. Because uh, I've been there. It says, I've, this person said, I've grappled with issues like the exclusive claims of Jesus the historic Christian sexual ethic, the church's complacency in slavery and the oppression of women, the violence in the Old Testament, and the church's promiscuity within the systems of the world. I'm also grieved by my failures and my personal contribution to the staining of her reputation, that's the church, by my own apathy and judgment, my hypocrisy and my pride, my failure as a pastor and as a leader. I feel that. I feel every bit of that but I also feel this. He says, but for better or worse, I've become obsessed with the potential of the covenant people of God. I stubbornly believe that the church can be a space of hope and reconciliation within the midst of the world. My love for the church is not a naive love. I've seen the church be a place of breathtaking beauty and I've seen the church in demonic squalor. The scars on my soul come from the church as does the joy that has come to define me. Leading in the church has been both the source of trauma and consolation in our lives. Y'all, listen to me. We cannot let what happens around us prevent God from doing what he wants to do inside of us. Y'all, as we go through life, you're going to go through hard times, but you can't let hard times harden you. That's what God wants to do. He talks about in the Old Testament, he says he'll take a heart of stone, and he'll give us a heart of flesh, he'll soften us we can't let the things happen around us harden us to the things, harden us to the things that God intends to do. The gospel of Jesus, listen to me, is for anyone and everyone. The gospel of Jesus is for anyone and everyone. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. It's for anyone and everyone. But it also brings transformation. The gospel, the seed, the word of God doesn't just come. It can't just sit on the surface, but it has to penetrate the soil. It has to put roots down, and it has to transform us. But the plan of the enemy is to harden us and to keep this from happening. Matthew 13, 19, this is where Jesus explains this verse. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, and they don't understand it. They don't let it take root. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Y'all, beware of listening to the word of Jesus with a hard heart and with only your intellect. A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, faith comes first to the hearing ear, not to the conjugating mind. Faith comes first to the hearing ear, not the conjugating mind. Y'all, it's possible to hear the word, but not let it change you, not let it take root, not let it become personal. And so here's my question for you. Has there ever been a time in your life when your life made more sense in the light and in the teachings of the way of Jesus? You know, we have to have a moment. There has to be a moment where God stirs our affections, where God stirs our hearts, and we start looking at our lives and saying, it makes more sense, not less sense, under the light of Jesus, in the light of Jesus' love. And so if you're in here, I talked to a guy after first service. He came up to me and he said, Bronson, I came into this church with a hard heart. And he said, God has softened my heart over the months. I'm not there anymore. Y'all, listen, if that's you, God can transform your heart. He can change your heart. But you got to open up. You got to let him in. Amen. He doesn't just enter through here. He enters through here. So condition number one is the hard heart. Condition number two is the shallow heart. Matthew 13, 5 through 6. I don't have a lot of jokes this morning. Uh, (laughs) But I got a lot of teachings. So stick with me. Y'all with me? Okay. Matthew 13, 5 through 6. Since other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. It starts well, but there's rocks beneath the surface. The hard heart often is a purely intellectual mind that's engaging with God, but the shallow heart is often only an emotional experience with God. This one is scary because it looks good at first. It's fervent worship. It's it's passionately jumping into the church. You sprout up quickly, but the shallow heart can't take the heat when it comes and it always comes. This person believes, they move quickly, but when the pressure and the heat comes, they wilt. Matthew 13, 21, but since they didn't have deep roots, they didn't last long, they fell away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. They're not deep, they're not rooted, they're not strong in their faith. hard heart engages only with the intellect. The shallow heart engages only with the emotions. Here's how Tim Keller put it. And this is, this one, this one stepped on my toes. Okay, you ready? It says, this person is trying to get Christ to enter their kingdom. They wanted a blesser, not a savior. A sugar daddy, not a king. A service provider, not a total change. The things they worship Were their real gods? These were the things they lost in the heat. I wonder what the heat could look like in your life. Maybe you're in here and you've been believing God for a spouse and it hasn't come. And so you're starting to think, man, I I need to start looking for somebody outside of God's will. I need to start going and doing things that the world does. Maybe for you, when you first became a Christian, everything was great. Within the heat turned up in the area of your finances or in family strife or things like that. Y'all, we, we so often come in and we think, man, now that I'm a Jesus follower, everything in my life will be perfect, but that is never gonna be the case. We, we live within a broken system and a broken world. Y'all, the kingdom of God, the health and the hope of God is breaking into our world, but it's not fully here yet. And, and, and if we come in and we start following Jesus and we're not expecting trials, And we have shallow faith. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. We will burn up when the difficulty comes. He finishes it this way, Keller did. He said, they were a sufferer in need of a solution, not a sinner in need of a savior. Persecution only deepens the roots of a deep Christian, but it exposes the shallowness of the false one. Y'all, we have to value the things that God values if we want to go beyond the area of being shallow in our faith when we want to go to a place of being deep and rooted and whole in our faith. Yes, he values love. Yes, he values overcoming sin. But he also values wisdom and maturity and stability. I heard one author say it this way. He said, there's never been a saint or a hero of the faith who held a low view of God's word. I believe that one of the things that keeps us shallow in our faith is our view of the word. We don't view the word as authoritative. We we view it as a decoration for the life that we already have. And we want God to come in and do the things that we want him to do in our lives instead of him coming in and teaching us the best way to live. Amen. So number one, condition number one is the, the hard heart. Condition number two is the shallow heart. Condition number three is the crowded heart. The crowded heart. Matthew 13, 7. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up, and it choked out the tender plants. Y'all, this person knows Jesus. This person has accepted the word, but their faith is fruitless. It's choked out. The growth of the thorn shows there's nothing wrong with the soil. The problem is that it's already occupied and there's no room for a different type of vegetation. The plants don't die, but they can't produce fruit. Y'all listen, we have competition for our affections and our life. I, I wonder if anybody can relate to this. It's like Jesus is Lord in some of these areas, but he's not Lord in other areas. You've given him lordship, but then at some point, you start to question the effectiveness of the gospel, and you can become miserable. Like, y'all, listen, when you've accepted Jesus and you're starting to walk with Jesus, I'm going to talk more about this next week. Sin is not as fun anymore because you have something called conviction that comes alongside of it. Y'all, I'm just going to be honest. Before I was a Jesus follower, I had a lot of fun doing the wrong things. Now, when the consequences came, it wasn't a lot of fun. But in the moment, I did not have much tension around the things that I was doing. But once I started following Jesus, there was always this background irritation where I knew what I was doing was wrong, and it grieved the heart of God, and it actually kept me from being the person God's called me to be. And so when you hit this place in your faith where you're fruitless and you start to feel miserable, one of two things is happening. Number one, let me encourage you. The first one's encouraging. God's about to grow you. You start going back to the things that you did in your faith. I wonder if anybody's had this happen. You had an incredible experience in youth group and you're growing or you had an incredible experience in college or young in your faith. And then all of a sudden, the things you were doing before just weren't quite as effective as they were before. Can I encourage you if that's you? God is maturing you. God's growing you. God's going to teach you a new way to be rooted. God's going to teach you a new way to be strong. But it can be difficult in that time if you don't understand what's happening. So that's number one. God could be growing you. God could be maturing you. Number two, you could have some areas in your life that God's trying to remove. You could have some thorns that are, that are choking out your faith. And if you don't let him get at those things, your faith will become fruitless. You still have faith. You still believe, but you're not reproducing. You're not seeing the life. If something's alive, it reproduces. Amen? If something's alive, it grows. Matthew 13, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Everybody say wealth. So no fruit is produced. Uh, I've noticed the older I get, the harder this gets. Why? Because when you're young, you're really poor. And it's just not that difficult (laughs) to sit there and say, you know what? My wealth doesn't define me. Um, I I remember when I was in college, I was sitting there talking to this guy. And uh, he he was a financial advisor. A guy's worth millions of dollars. And we're sitting at the table. And we're talking about this. We're kind of talking about wealth and how it all plays out. And I remember saying, like, man, how could I ever let anything, something as small as money, get in between me and God? And he began to weep. I'm one of the one of the most clear memories I've got, I began to weep and he said, Bronson, it's easy when you don't have it. He said, but it's so difficult to not let it own you when you do. You know, when I I was young, about 12 years ago, and first starting out in ministry, I was poor. I was a part-time worship leader, which means I was paid part-time, but I was really (laughs) full-time. And uh, I made $1,000 a month when me and Callie got married. And, uh, you know, I'm working hard, and, man, it was not difficult. It really wasn't. Uh, I, I have a propensity. I just like quality stuff. Where, where, where are my people at on that? Like I, like, I don't like to rebuy. I say buy once, you know. That, that's my, my philosophy. And as the older I've gotten, the truth is you, you do make more money as you get older. And, and, and it can be difficult to not let that attach to your heart. It can be difficult to not look around at what other people have and say, man, if I just had more of that, then I'd be happy and then I'd be whole. You know, for me as a pastor, it's like, maybe I should write a book. Not to help anybody, but for the money, right? (laughs) Just being real. We have to be so careful. The scripture talks about these things as idols. It can become idolatry. In our culture, that is not popular to say, right? Right? You've got to hustle. I'm hungry. I want to make it. Man, I want to make it, but I want a healthy soul first. I want the soil of my heart to be healthy so that I can be productive in the kingdom of God. Um, and so I want to read a quote to you. Again, I read out of this book this summer. Um, and my question for you as I read this is, is, is there anything that's taken first place in your life? Is there anything that's starting to choke out the seed that sprouted? of faith, the kingdom of God growing in your life? What's competing for your heart and crowding out the word of God? That's my question for you. What's competing for your heart and crowding out the word of the Lord? Novelist David Foster Wallace said this. He said, pretty much anything you worship will eat you alive. He went on to say, if you worship money and things, you'll never have enough. If you worship beauty and sexual allure, you will feel ugly. If you worship power, you'll feel weak and afraid. If you worship intelligence, you'll end up feeling stupid. But if you worship Jesus, you'll experience the fullness of life. You'll experience the fullness of purpose. You'll experience the fullness of joy. You'll learn to be kind. You'll learn to be patient. You'll learn to be loving. And you'll see this fruit grow in your life. Amen. Prayer. A prayer around this, if this is you and you're struggling with that, God, just ignite my heart to feel to fear your name. Like, ignite my heart to fear your name, to want your ways. You know, we all naturally hit this place in our faith where I'm like, man, my heart's hard. Man, I'm shallow. Like, the storms of life hit, and you realize, man, I am led by my emotions way too much. We hit that place where we're like, gosh, there's so many things competing for my heart. Can I give you the great news? You're the soil. You're not the gardener. Jesus is the gardener. If you've got rocks, you've got hard places in your life, he wants to pull those things out. If you've got weeds that are choking the kingdom of God in your life, he wants to pull those things out of your life. You know, if, if your soil is shallow, he wants to run the plow and he wants to deepen you in your faith. You're the soil. You've got to let the gardener do his work so that we can experience and we can live with condition number four. That's the fertile heart. Matthew 13, 8 and 9 says this. It says, still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Y'all, you know, the fertile heart—it hears, it takes on, it responds, and it builds their life around the seed, which is the kingdom of God. Matthew thirteen twenty three: the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and to and produce a harvest. Everybody say harvest. 30, 60, even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Y'all, this is the goal. The goal for your Christian life is to be fruitful, to, be, to, to multiply. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, I want you to go forth and make disciples of all nations. This is, this is recreation language. Remember what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, be fruitful and multiply. As humanity, Now God is saying as the redeemed humanity, as the people of Jesus, as the people who have the kingdom of God coming in their lives, now go out, be fruitful, multiply, share your faith, share your hope. But y'all listen, if we look like the world, they won't ask us where our hope comes from. But if we're transformed and we start becoming like Jesus, then we'll be able to do what the scripture says, which is give evidence for the hope that we have and say, so, you know what, I was a wreck. I was lost in my sin. Everybody who saw me thought I had everything, but I was broken and I was desperate inside. But then I met Jesus and he redeemed me and he filled me with love. He filled me with hope and he changed my life and he can change your life too. And so you'll listen, I don't know what you're coming in with, but this is what Jesus offers. Jesus offers a transformed life. Remember. You're the soil. You're not the gardener. Let God act upon you. Let God grow you. Let God change you. It is not your job to clean up the soil, but to yield to the gardener. My prayer for you is that you trust Jesus as the gardener to guide you, to lead you, to help your life become the place where the seed of God's word can grow, can thrive, and can flourish. That it may be done in your life in our lives, in our community, as it is in heaven. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.